All right, so verse 10, 2 Corinthians 12:10, let's read. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I have become a fool in boasting, you have compelled me. For I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. Now for the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome for you to you. For I do not seek yours but you, for the children ought not lay it for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I, will, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Did I take advantage of you by any of those I sent to you? I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, I thank you for the word of God that's filled with the spiritual nutrients that we need today. We open our heart and receive it by faith, and we will be nourished by it. Holy Spirit, again, we call upon you as the spiritual teacher to anoint the eyes and ears and the hearts of each person listening, that you open them by the gift of your grace so they can hear, see, and understand what's being said. Father, I thank you that you're speaking to your children right now. They're going to walk away with what you want them to have. Only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, verse 10. So I start unpacking this. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, that's weaknesses in the Greek, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And so again in this section, he's dealing with false teachers that infiltrated the church after he left and started teaching false doctrine and spreading lies about Paul and his ministry, undermining his ministry. And they came in boasting about themselves, about everything they were, what they knew, who they knew. And so Paul's basically realizing that the only thing they're really listening to is boasting because that's what they're filled of, pride and boasting. So Paul starts, okay, you've compelled me. If you're only going to listen to boasting, I'm going to start boasting just to compare my ministry to their ministry and how it differs. That I put Jesus first, I came serving, they came to be served. I came to give, they came to take. And so he's brought out his credentials and he's bringing out his credentials of his ministry here, but he makes this statement, therefore I take pleasure in weaknesses, and he lists some of them, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses. And so he said he took pleasure in his weaknesses. Now, now I'm going to be open, honest, I'm going to open my heart, to be honest with you, and I'm going to close it. I don't know all of you guys. Uh, I have not gotten to Paul's level yet, where I can take pleasure in my trials, pleasure in my weaknesses, I'm on there, pray for me, I know that you take pleasure in your infirmities and your weaknesses, and, and I'm not as spiritual, but we'll get there, I'm not, I still don't know if I always counted all joy, 
I count it some joy, but not all joy. I'm getting there. We're all working there. So Paul's there. He said, I therefore I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And he lists some of them. Reproaches. That's when people slander you. Talk about you. Raise your hand if that feels good. You just love it. A good slander really helps you. You know, I'm going to bless you with five bucks. Thank you. That's not normally, we don't love that. We don't like that. In persecutions, that's when people come against us. In distresses, the Greek word for distresses is narrowness of space. It's constriction. And we can have a modern translation, a tight spot. Have you ever been put in a tight spot where you're up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's right there and you're in a tight spot? Well, Paul found himself in some tight spots. And so he took pleasure when he got into a tight spot so that God could bring forth and, be, and deliver him and he gets the glory for it. And so it'd be really difficult to find pleasure in these. And also he brings out in needs. That's necessities. We all have sometimes needs we can't supply. And, and we find ourselves with a need. Well, Paul took pleasure, but we can only find pleasure if we understand the next three words. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. This phrase is key to the verse. If we're facing things because of our own carnal decisions, you ever did a piece of stupid? And you get consequences for it? And then you go, oh, the devil, that devil is persecuting me. No, no, right? And there, you're your worst enemy. And so he stood back and took notes about the problem you got into. And so that's a new one. I might, buy, I might take that up and try to use that. I mean, that's good. I hadn't seen anybody do that before. But if we realize that when we get attacked, it's because of Jesus' sake. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, All that Jesus began to do and to teach. But he began, say, began to do and teach. Yeah. Teach and do or do and teach. He began, say began. Yeah. But then he was, taken up, he was taken up out of the earth, and he still had ministry unleft. He began to do and to teach. But guess what? When he rose from the dead, he said, tag, you're it. He tagged the church. He tagged you. Tell somebody, tagged you. You're it. And you're going to pick up his ministry with his gospel, his good news, the good news of the kingdom. But guess what? He didn't leave you just out and say, you know what? He didn't equip you. He didn't give you anything. He just sent you out into the battlefield and say, good luck with that. Ow. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He left you his word, his promises, his anointing, his gifts, his armor. And it's all for the front side, not the back side. And so you're in his place, in his stead, in his ministry, taking his shots. When he was in the ministry, the enemy kept coming at him, coming at him. People would come at him. And Jesus said, if, if, that you're not greater than your master. If they hated me, they will hate you. And the reason you're getting attacked is because you're on assignment. And he hates God. And he hates you because you're the image of God. And so, he, and, and you're a threat, and he's going to attack you and so with these things. And so, he says, I take pleasure when I know it's for Christ's sake. Now, we all know in our heart, are we getting attacked because of our own bad decisions? Or are we doing what we need to do? And we're just getting, everything is coming against us. Every demon 
in Africa, has left the continent, in Asia, in South America, and they're all on your doorstep. You're the target today. We've all felt that way. But, and I've been seeking the Lord. I've been doing, I'm not perfect, but I'm seeking the Lord. You know when that is. And so there can be, there's the grace of God that comes upon you that you can find joy in the middle of a trial because you know it's because of what you're doing for God. I want you to see Acts chapter 5, look at verse 41. There's an example of this. Where the disciples are preaching the gospel. The Great Commission was go into all the world, preach the gospel. They were going out preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus, and the religious uh, people were really happy about it. I'm sorry, no. And they drug him in and said, do not teach in his name anymore. But they said, well, we have a word from God. We're to preach in his name. So whether we obey you or whether we obey man, it's up to you what you do, but we're going to obey God. So he went out and preached. They just went out straight out and continued on. They got caught again, brought in, and they, and they not only got warned, but they got whipped. They got beaten for it. I want you to see the next verse. If you got beaten, what would you be your attitude? <laughs> I'm quitting. Acts 5.41. So they just got beaten. The verse, verse 40, they got beat. Verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame. What's the next three words? For his name. For his name. And so there's a glory that comes upon you when you're doing it for him. And so Paul said this, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Look at the word weak. It's the Greek word meaning unable to perform a task. And an inability to perform something, a demand that's put on you. Here we're going to see a weakness to be able to perform something that God wants for us, needs for us in our life. We're going to find in our flesh, apart from Him, without, apart from the anointing, apart from the power of God, there are some inabilities for you to perform. Some inabilities in yourself to do what God wants you to do. And so what do you do when you have those weaknesses? Try harder. That's what most Christians do. They, they're going to try to overcome their weaknesses, make their weakness into a strength. They're going to try to hate their weaknesses, hide their weaknesses. Paul says, no, I boast in my weaknesses. I admit that I'm weak, and when I admit it, then I can move into the power of God. I want you to see another word, because he says, when I'm weak, and I'm unable to perform what I need to do, then I can receive, then I'm strong. Say strong. strong. The Greek word for strong here means having a capacity to perform a task. So when you get to a place where your, your inability meets God's ability, guess what? His ability oversees your inability and then he's a, he causes you to be able to do what you could never do by yourself. And then when you do that, guess who gets the glory? He does. You can't put your thumbs under here and go suspenders. You know, that doesn't work. But you can only encounter the ability of God when you admit your inability. And that's something that we're averse to. There's something within our flesh we hate saying we can't. Well, pastor, 
I'm a Bible man. I'm a Bible woman, and my Bible says I can do all things. Uh, your Bible does not say that. Yes, no, no. Your Bible does not say that. You didn't finish the verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to tell you what you can do in yourself. Look at John 15, 5. This is Jesus speaking red. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. The vine produces the life. He didn't say, you're the vine. He said, I'm the vine. And he said, you're the branch. The branch has no life, it receives the life. Tell someone you're a pitiful vine. Pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. Now, now tell the next person next to you, you're a beautiful branch. Beautiful branch. It's amazing. As a branch in yourself, you can do nothing. You have no life in yourself. It's only when you receive that empowerment, that life, that flowing through you, that you can produce fruit. But we don't like being a branch. We want to be the vine. See, you must understand some truths before you can get into the in him truths. Those blessed truths of the in him scriptures that in him you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In him you have all things. In him you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Before you can enter the in him truths, you must first of all accept the in yourself truth. And what is the in yourself truth? Of yourself, you're nothing. In yourself, you have nothing. In yourself, you can do nothing. The flesh doesn't like that. But if you'll admit what you can't do and say, now, Lord, you live in me. I'm joined with you in the Spirit. I'm going to receive grace. I'm going to receive your strength. I'm going to receive your ability to perform. And I, right now, I believe it's happening right now. That's when you tap into the ability of God. And he enables you to do supernatural things. Tell someone you're a... You're a, you're a uh, Superman or Superwoman. Now you're either one or the other. Don't get me confused. I never thought I'd have to explain that, but you're either one or the other. You're either a Superman or a Superwoman. It's a biology thing. I'm it's much like Samson in the Old Testament. Who's watched movies where you where Samson is depicted? Okay, right? And so, and every time he is like this Hercules, he's the Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Bible. <laughs> Do you know that that wasn't the case? How do I know that? Because the Philistines went to Delilah, and said, will you please show us the source of this guy's strength? Now, if every time he walked down the hill and his muscles were just twitching everywhere, you'd realize, I understand where this is coming from. This guy was as a normal Joe and very probably had some Barney Fife in him. 
And all of a sudden, this guy's carrying a city gate off on his shoulder. How is this taking place? Look at Judges 14.6. Judges 14.6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore a lion apart as one would tore apart a little young goat. Though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father and mother what he did. What enabled him to do what he couldn't possibly do? The power of God resting on him. What's going to enable you to be a Samson in the spirit? When you admit, I can't in my own ability, but the supernatural power and ability of God is in me, and by faith I receive it now. See, you can't say, well, I'm going to try my best and then God's power will make up the rest. You can't mix your own works with grace. It's either all God's grace, you receive it by faith, or it's all your works. He doesn't mix. Verse 11. Paul says, I become a fool in boasting. If someone starts bragging, you know something about them. They're a fool. Because guess what? Anything good in you, it's Jesus. Anything you have, it's because of God. Well, I'm a self-made man, a self-made woman. There's never been such a one. No, I am. I'm a self-made man. Oh, so you birthed yourself. That's awesome. You changed your own diaper. You educated yourself. That's awesome. Oh, by the way, the breath you're breathing right now, on loan. Your intellect right now, on loan. On loan. Paul said, "You've compelled me to do what I'm hate. I hate you're you're you compelled me to be a fool, but I had to do it because you won't listen to anything else. You made me do it, for I ought to have been commended by you. You know, when the false teacher started slandering me, you should have been the very first one that stood up for me. We know who this guy is. We got who we are. The gospel. Our lives are changed." We came out of darkness and bondage and out of, uh, out of, out of all kinds of, of heathendom and stuff like that. And we've been blessed. And it came through the message of this guy. They should have been defending him, but no, they turned around, believed the lies, and was now slandering him themselves. He says, for in nothing I was behind the most eminent apostles. This is not just saying, well, they're, they're calling themselves super apostles. We weren't behind them. He's actually saying, we're, I'm not inferior to any of the true apostles. Peter, James, John. This is Rickyology. I don't have time to back it up. Email me, I will. I believe that actually Judas's replacement was supposed to be Paul. That Peter wasn't called to do a lottery. He said, go up and wait for the Holy Spirit. They said, go up and do a lottery. And so Paul was of, of the imminent. And he said that I outworked all of the apostles... Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Before you can enter into the grace of God with me, you first understand, not I. Not I. For I am nothing. In himself, he's nothing. The anointing upon you to minister, and all of you are ministers. You all have an anointing to minister, every one of you. The anointing upon you to minister is not you. It didn't come inherently from you. You weren't inherently born anointed. 
Apart from the enablement of God, you could do nothing. Without the grace of God to teach, I couldn't teach a fly. I don't know what I would teach a fly. Maybe I'll teach him to fly. <laughs> Keith Moore, minister, one of my favorite teachers at Rama when I went. He was, he's a pastor now, but he was there on staff, and he taught the healing school. And so what he would do is he would start out on the piano, and God supernaturally taught Keith Moore the piano. He no one ever taught. He just one day sit down, and the anointing came on, and he just started playing the piano, and it was a supernatural. And he would sing supernaturally in rhyme. God didn't teach it. It would flow out. Then he would teach in healing school. Well, one day in the morning, he was in prayer, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, clear as bell, spoke to him and said, You're, you take my grace upon you for granted. And he, he, he uh, unfortunately, he said, show me. So healing school came. He walked in, sat down at the piano to play, and all of a sudden he had no idea where to put his hand. Like he had first sat down. He'd never been in front of a piano. He had no idea how to play it at all. Okay, that's weird. Start sweating a little bit. Well, okay, well, let's just sing in Acapulco. Or acapella. <laughs> and so they sang some songs in acapella. And then he got up. He's going to minister. He opened it, and he would preach without notes. He would just like Andrew. And, and so he opened up. And literally, he didn't know how to put one verse with another verse. A total blank of how to put a verse with another verse. And at that point, he just knelt on his knee and said, let's just pray. And they prayed. He went back to his office, crumbled into the carpet, and said, oh, God, I'm sorry. Well, pastor, my Bible says the gifts and calling to God without repentance. No, he didn't t- permanently take it away. He suspended it for an afternoon to show him. And then the, when he repented, he said, okay, now I know. <laughs> I repent. Uh, the next time he got up, it flowed. He played the piano. He sung. He did everything else. And he has ever since. What you do... And what you know is supernatural. Don't take it for granted. Verse 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Truly the signs of an apostle. Note the Greek says truly the signs of the apostle. The office of an apostle. See, with every call, there's an anointing and giftings that go with it. And here we see the giftings that come with the office of an apostle is signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. If you want to be an apostle, these will be ones that he'll gift you for to operate. And if you don't have these, I'm sorry, I don't care who you call yourself, this comes with the office of an apostle. Signs, what's a sign? It, it points to something. But but first of all, he says, these were accomplished among you. Look at the word accomplished. It's in the passive tense, which means he didn't take credit for it. They didn't come from him. They were accomplished through him. And so he performed them with perseverance. Because every time he did a miracle, sign, or a wonder, God did it through him. The devil would hit him. The devil would hit him. The devil would hit him. We talked about the thorn in the flesh. 
The door, but he had to do it with perseverance. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. He kept with it. You know, perseverance is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So Paul operated in the gifts and power of God and also the character and the fruit of the Spirit. You want to be a New Testament minister, you need a balance of the gifts and the fruit. Ask someone, do you have fruit or are you just fruity? <laughs> There's some people operating in the gifts, but they're fruity. They don't have any character. They're in and out. You can't depend on them. They're, at, they're in the ministry one day, out of the ministry the next day. Signs, wonders, mighty deeds. These are not three different categories. They're just three aspects of the same things when they're operating through him. A sign points to something. If you're traveling from Denver to Colorado Springs, it says Colorado Springs 50 miles. The sign's not Colorado Springs. It's pointing to something. So a mighty work of God, a sign, is it points to someone, Jesus. Next, wonders means something strange. That causes you to wonder. Wonders catch people's attention, make them ask, what is this? The burning bush was a wonder for Moses. He looked over one day, saw a bush on fire. There's nothing new. But as he was looking, it wasn't being burned up. So he goes, oh, I wonder what's going on. So he went on over and then all of a sudden had an encounter with God. Mighty deeds is the Greek word dunamis, which means works of power. Verse 13. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except I myself wasn't burdensome to you? He said, how did you come back? How were you inferior to any of the churches I ministered into? There's one thing. I was not burdensome to you. Please forgive me. I am so sorry that I didn't burden you when I was with you. Because he worked for a living. He didn't take money. And, and, the, and the Corinthians, the false teachers said, well, in the day, all teachers, all itinerant teachers and preachers, they charge for their fees. Well, Paul didn't charge, so he's an amateur. He's not the true deal. He's not the true, uh, he didn't go to tr uh, rhetoric training. He didn't charge anything. So this guy, obviously, he's not who he says he is. And they bought into it. And so Paul says, well, excuse me, I didn't charge. Forgive me this wrong. That's sarcasm, you, by the way. Tell someone your sarcasm is going to work out. <laughs> I can use it. Paul was sarcastic. And God got to use it in a holy way. Verse 14. Now for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. And I won't be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not lay it for the parents, but the parents for the children. The third time, the third time. First time he had founded the church. He was there for about a year and a half. The second visit was a very brief visit. It was a painful visit. There's a lot of correction he had to do. He was there briefly. And this is the third time he said, I'm ready to come to you. Say ready. ready. Paul said, I'm ready. I'm ready for the ministry. In the ministry, you always need to be ready to do the will of God. Raise your hand if you want to do the will of God. Raise your other hand if you really want to do the will of God. But are you ready to do the will of God? Well, I'm called, Pastor, to teach the nations. Well, have you made a sermon? I was just hoping God would just give me something. No, you need to be prepared, be ready. Tell someone, get ready, get ready, get ready. Are you ready? Many want to be used by God, but they're just not ready. 
I will not be burdensome to you when I do come the third time. I'm going to work again. I'm not going to ask you to, to put me up and pay my bills. I'm going to work. For I don't seek yours or what, I don't, I'm not seeking your substance, but I want you. I'm after you. See, that's the difference between kingdom ministry and a worldly ministry is they're there for you to be built up and you to be blessed and not them to be blessed and you to take. For the children ought not lay it for the parents. Boy, wouldn't that be nice if your kids paid for their own food, the rent, and they paid a salary for you? Wow. Children, you're there free. A minister should raise up spiritual children, not just pass on information. There are many teachers, and the Bible says there's many, 1 Corinthians 4.15, for in the body of Christ there's many teachers, but not many fathers. What's the difference between a teacher in the body of Christ and a father in the body of Christ? Well, a teacher imparts information. A spiritual father passes along spiritual DNA. My spiritual father... You know, God the Father, but, but a father in the faith for me was Bob Yandy. A lot of people say, you know what, I'm, I kind of see glimpses of Bob Yandy in you. Well, because I have his DNA. I sat under him for 20 years, multiple service every week, and I received, and I've gotten some DNA from Bob Yandy. Also some DNA that I received, a spiritual father to me, is Greg Moore. I was a, his assistant for eight years, every single day around him watching him and receiving from him not just information but getting his kingdom DNA for the children not not lay up for the parents the word lay up is the Greek word means where we get the word thesaurus which means a treasury to treasure up and so a minister is to treasure up vast wealth of the word in order to give it to those they minister to and so they're not to the children are not to lay up for the parents a parent will sometimes bring correction out of love. Let me say, what is New Testament correction? It's what you do for someone, not to someone. And as a parent, when you're disciplining, are you doing out of anger? Are you doing out of frustration? Are you doing out of irritation? Or are you doing what's best for them? There's a difference. One, one is selfish. The other one, you actually want to benefit them and help them in life. And so that Paul was a, a spiritual father to them, and he was correcting them for their own good. But the parents lay up for the children. While children are growing up in the home, the parents provide completely for them. The children don't provide for the parents. I'm here to provide for you and to bless you. I'm not here for you to bless me. Now, if you bless me, I'm blessed by that. I appreciate that. But I'm not here for what I can get from you. I'm trying to impart into you and help you and release you into all that God's called you to do. Verse 15. Paul says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. He says, I very gladly spend. Say gladly spend. If you love someone, it's a pleasure to spend on them. When you're a young man courting a lady... You will gladly spend on her, lavishly. You will take her to restaurants you've never, 
ever been to before. It starts with the word law. It's Italian. There's no law bowling alley. I mean, they've never been to a law in their life. But they'll pay extra money. They'll pay all this money for this nice restaurant because he loves her. He will spend a lot of money on dying vegetation. He's never bought dying vegetation in his life. And eventually, a ring. Single ladies, raise your hand. Okay, look around. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to help you out, ladies. If If you're courting or dating a guy, and he's stingy before you've married him, run like Forrest Gump. Knees high. Because when you love someone, you very gladly spend and be spent for their souls. Some ministers will share what they know, but they don't share themselves. If you really want to be a kingdom minister, you need to not only be friendly, but relational. There's so many men in the ministry, they can be friendly, but not relational. You need to open your heart, not just give them information, but open your heart to them. You're not going to be intimate with all of the people, obviously not, but you're going to be relational with them. You're going to have to open your heart. Well, if I open my heart, I may get hurt. Yeah, you will. But guess what? If you let God be your protector of your heart and heal your heart immediately and turn it over and keep your heart open. In the ministry, you need two things, the heart of a lamb and the skin of a crocodile. Keep your heart sensitive. Keep it open. Because if you get hurt and you close off your heart, you're going to protect yourself, but you're going to keep out a lot of good, and a lot of good can't come out. He says, though I more abundantly love you, the less I'm loved. You know, God's love can love you even though it's not reciprocated. And even if you act ugly back and reject him back, that his love is constant. Human love will say, I love you. And the minute you don't do what it wants and the minute you don't accept, accept or reject what they're doing, it turns ugly. <laughs> okay, let me get you. <clears throat> In the ministry, you need to serve out of God's love, not having expectations on people. So many of us, we, want, we have expectations on our spouse, expectations on other people. We're expecting them to do something. Let me say something. When you expect them to do something, you cannot be thankful. And when they don't do what they're expected to do, you get bitter. Put no expectation on human beings. Put all your expectations on God, and when someone does something, you can be truly thankful. the less I'm loved. It's a sad fact that in some cases, the more you do for someone, the more they end up showing no appreciation for it or even turn on you. This happened with Paul with the Corinthians. There's times, like for instance, when you're wanting to help an animal that got caught in a trap and you're just trying to help and you're trying to release them, all of a sudden you get bit. 
They're hurt, and they turn their vengeance against you. You're the fault. You're the problem. You're trying to help them, and you're the fault. They turn on you, and what's your tendency? Well, fine, I don't know. I'm just trying to help. I'm, I don't need this. I'm out of here. I'm not going to serve anymore. Well, see, you, you just showed it's not God's love. Can you see Jesus the night he was betrayed? Judas betrays him. Great. Great. I mean, I know this guy's going to betray me. Give me a kiss on the cheek. This Peter guy, he can't get past a rooster. And he's denying me and cussing and stuff, rejecting me. And all of them run. If that's all, I'm done. I'm out of here. There ain't no whipping going to happen, no cross going to go. I ain't having none. So the night he was betrayed, and he knew he was going to be betrayed. He said someone was going to betray him. And all you're going to run. He already said, he washed their feet. And he gave the communion. It's God's love. So what do you do when you love and it's not reciprocated? Love anyway. It's God's love. It's sad but true. Often parents pour out their hearts and their provision for their children, and at the time, the children don't appreciate it. But you do it anyway, because you love them. It's God's love. How thankful we are to our Father in heaven that today you woke up and you had breath to breathe and you had, you had water and electricity and a roof over your head and, and you had food to eat and money. How thankful are we? Let's just thank the Father. Father, I just thank you. We acknowledge, we appreciate you that not only did you pour out your life so that we could go to heaven and not go to hell and, and, and be forgiven and set free, but you bless us with all the natural things that we have and enjoy. That everything is from you and we appreciate it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Verse 16. But be, that it in, but be that as it may, I will not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with cunning. Why did Paul bring that up? Because there was an accusation. Yeah, Paul, you didn't take any offerings. You didn't take any. You worked, got that, but you, you found a way of getting our money. Because when you left, you sent a couple guys to receive an offering for, yeah. Offering for Jerusalem. Yeah, we know what happened. They came and they took our money, and you all met, had a little party, took it, split it, and you went. I don't care what you, you, you can't win with some people. So he's going to answer to this accusation. He says, yeah, I caught you. I was cunning. I got you. But then verse 17 says, did I take advantage of you by any of those I sent you? Titus and another brother. Did I, did I take advantage of you? Verse 18, but I urged Titus and sent our brother, and most think that's Luke, went with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did he demand you, get, take, you take care of him? Did he put any demands on you? No, no, he worked just like I did. Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? What does that mean? Me, Titus, Luke, 
Didn't we walk all in the same spirit? What's the same spirit? The spirit of humility and servanthood. They're there to serve and to give. That's the heart of Jesus. We had the same spirit. Did we not all three of us walk in the same steps? Let me say something to you. You must first walk in the same spirit to walk in the same steps. If you're going into the ministry, you're going to need a team. Make sure they have the same spirit. And you should have the spirit of Jesus, the kingdom spirit, a servanthood, one to give and impart. And you need other people. That's called humility, a spirit of humility. You need around you people that have that same spirit of humility. When I'm looking for team members here, the first thing I'm looking for isn't gifting, isn't high revelation. I'm looking for humility and servanthood. And i got to test them out. Because I've had people, am I over? Is it over? I'm s- <laughs> am I done? Can I go on? Okay, all right. Bad memories of IEGs. It just hit me. It's like, I'm going to get marked down for sure. Okay. I'll test someone. Well, I've been a pastor for 40 years and I'm here. Ready to serve. And I said, okay, great. You're highly qualified to greet. Do not know who I am? Yeah, I'm just getting to know right now. Yeah, you're just showing me who you are. Humility, serving. You must first walk in the same spirit to walk in the same steps. The spirit you're of determines what steps you take and in what direction you take. The steps Paul took came out of the humility and the spirit he had. And one of the steps he did was working instead of demanding to be kept up. Verse 19. Again, do you think we accuse ourselves, excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ. We do all things, beloved, for your edification. So, so what's this whole thing? Am I trying to defend my own reputation here? Everything I've done, all the boasting, everything I'm doing and have done and will do is for you and your edification, that you be built up, that you find your kingdom purpose, you be everything God called you to be. That's what I'm all about, always been about, and I will be about. But they didn't understand. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much that even though we don't always show you appreciation and thankful to you, you continually, constantly, faithfully, consistently love us. And provide for us. We thank you, Lord. Today, I believe there's, there's been some people that's been hurt. People have hurt you. Betrayed you. Children that's turned and, and they, haven't, they haven't really appreciated everything you've given them. And they're going the wrong direction. And you're hurt over those relationships. And... And you realize today, i got to draw, uh, go from my inability to love to God's ability to, to love them no matter what. And I can forgive those that have wounded me in the house of my friends. I, I can receive that today. And I'm going to love again. And I'm going to open my heart up again. I've been closed off. 
Some of you have been so closed off. I'm never going to let anyone hurt me again. You've closed off your heart, but you're keeping so many good things out. And you say, today I'm ready to open my heart up because I'm going to let God protect my heart and heal my heart. And I want to bless people and I want people to bless me. I want to have an open heart. Or you're in a situation where you're, you're in an inability that you can't get out of. You're in a tight spot. And today you realize you're going to give up on trying to figure it out yourself and you're going to say, God, I'm going to exchange my inability to perform for your power, your ability to perform. There's a lot of different things we're talking about. If any of those hit you today and you want to acknowledge it, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. Father, I thank you for those that have been wounded that you heal their heart right now. They've been hurt. They admit they've been hurt. But Lord, you'll heal that hurt, that betrayal. And I'm asking you to restore relationships. In Jesus' name, they'll open up again, trust again, love again. And you have something beautiful for them. You're going to bless them, Lord. Lord, there's some people today in tight spots right now. There's no way out. They're totally unable of their self to do anything. But now your power is released to rest over them, to cause them to be strengthened and capable to perform the very thing they couldn't do. Lord, I thank you for your blessing and grace being released into these people, Lord, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I feel like some of us have maybe been through some battles. But God is faithful, amen. And I can promise you every day of your life, God has been with you. He's so faithful, church. Even in those moments where we maybe don't always feel his presence, we just know that he's there, amen. I feel like what he was talking about, somebody's going through like family stuff and they don't feel like they're comfortable with taking that first step. But it says in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And if that's for you today, just receive that and take that. And I just want to pray over that too, if I can. I just speak to those people that are in those tight situations, God, that you would give them boldness and courage to step into what you have them to do, God, and just take that next step of faith. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. As I was praying in the Holy Spirit, I felt like the Lord had a word for some people in here today that he really wants to set you free, but he can't because you have a victim mentality. And if you think about if Paul had had a victim mentality, we wouldn't have half of the New Testament. And God is just saying, let it go. Get out of yourself. Get out of your selfish little box. Consider what the Lord went through and the price he paid for you. And live on that truth instead of mulling in the waters like the man that sat by that pool all those years. Jesus is saying, come on, look up, get, get off of yourself and these circumstances around you, enough's enough. Jesus paid the price. But, you know, he'll let you run around that mountain as many times as you want to if that's what you want to do. But don't be hollering, set me free, set me free. You've got to take that first step and rise up and start focusing on the price that Jesus paid to set you free. Freedom came with the price. Jesus paid that price. You are not a victim 
of your circumstances. And God is saying, if you have been praying and praying and praying and praying about something, you're like, why can't I see? He's saying to you, stop it. Stop mulling in the past. Stop mulling about what people have done to you. Let it go and rise up out of that victim mentality and go from victim to victor so you can be free and move on outside of yourself today. It's time to move on, people. Move on. I uh, just was uh, in worship, and I really felt the Lord was speaking to someone um, that Jesus just wants to tell you, I love you. Jesus loves you. And that God sent not his son to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Jesus. And he came to give you life more abundantly. So if you could just receive that, it'll be so much better.